following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. The reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, starting at verse 21. It can be found on um, page 1006 in the Church Bibles. Mark 4, um, verse 21. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said... This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Fiona. Let's pray together. Father God, plant within us the seeds of wisdom and understanding, we pray, that the fruit of your spirit may be seen in our lives and that we may celebrate the coming of your kingdom. Amen. So we are continuing our journey through Mark's Gospel, which we began at the start of the year. Uh, Those of you who were here all that time ago, in the second week of January, might recall the first words of Jesus spoken in Mark's Gospel, uh, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 1 where Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, over the past weeks since then, we've considered, as we've journeyed through Mark's gospel, questions of Jesus' authority, the way he's clashed with religious expectations and understanding and religious authority. But today, our reading takes us back to those first words of Jesus, to that central theme of the kingdom of God, its nature, its purposes, and its presence. 
in two short parables about seed which is planted and grows. Continuing some of that same imagery we see at the start of chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. Now, as we've already heard in that reading that Fiona read to us, the talk of the kingdom of God doesn't just happen at the start of Mark's gospel. It's a major theme that breathes all the way through the gospel of Mark, 17 times just in these uh, early chapters. And it's a constant theme to be found in the other synoptic gospels of Matthew and Luke. And we know when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about geography or Google Maps. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, he's not saying bare left, continue your journey for 200 yards and your destination will be on your right. Rather, Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of God as a place of God's active reigning, a state of affairs where God is in control, a place of justice and peace, of mercy and righteousness, of healing and restoration, where God's will and purposes are at work and can be seen around us in the events that we see and the fruit of those events. So I wonder this morning, as I read newspapers and listened to the news on the radio, and considering the news this week of virus outbreaks, of terrorist stabbings in London and Germany, and just last night, shocking news of sexual abuse against women in the church. In the midst of all this, where is God's reign? Where is the kingdom of God? And how on earth is it anywhere near? Part of the answer, I think, is to be found in our text, in the two parables we hear this morning. Together they speak of the kingdom of God and aspects of it which we need to hear, particularly if we are in the midst of struggle, of despair, faced with challenge, or even if we have become sick of waiting to see the fullness of God's reign in our world or in our lives. Into those situations, these two parables speak of a purposeful God, a persistent hope, and the inevitable fullness of the kingdom of God. So let's turn to those two short parables now. The first parable, uh, the parable of the growing seed, as it's entitled in our Bibles, uh, can be found in verses 26 to 29 uh, on page 1006. Now in these four short verses... The kingdom of God, we're told, is like a man who scatters corn seed on the ground and the seed grows all by itself. It's not tended by the sower who carries on about their business, not knowing how it is that the seed grows up until such time as it is ripe and ready to be harvested. What does that tell us about the kingdom of God? For me, the most striking part of this parable, and in some ways the most challenging part, 
is the suggestion that the kingdom of God does not depend at all on human effort to achieve it, and human insight will not be able to explain it. There is no church strategy or ordering of services, my friends, that will lead to the coming of the kingdom of God. And what a relief that is. God's power breaking through into the world does not depend on us. For if it did, the world may be waiting in vain. Rather, it's dependent solely on God's purposes, which in turn provides us with a persistent and foundational hope. As we are reminded in Philippians 2 verse 13, it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In his uh, commentary on this passage, uh, the theologian Dick France notes that this parable responds to any concerns we may have about the apparent inaction of God's reign and his kingdom in our lives by pointing to God's hidden yet persistent reign suggesting that despite appearances to the contrary, it is growing and the harvest will come. But it will come in God's time and in God's way, not by human effort or in accordance with human logic. But my friends, there is a danger here in this parable if we are to focus too much on the inactivity of the sower. Verse 27 uh, of our parable says, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the seed produces the corn. And the danger here is one that academics refer to as something called, and it was not a phrase I'd ever come across before, a quietistic theology. A quietistic theology, which suggests that the role of the disciple is simply to sit back, to disclaim any responsibility in the establishment of God's kingdom, where the disciple sit back and says, no, God's got it all. My role is to sit back and say, well, if it's all up to God, in his timing, in his purposes, I don't need to do anything. I can just sit and watch. After all, I wouldn't want to get in God's way. My friends, in ascribing to God both purpose and power and his timing in bringing about the kingdom, we are not left as mere observers. Rather, our role is to be active participants seeking first the kingdom of God, that pearl beyond price, that great treasure for which we would sell everything simply to be part of God's plans. This quietistic approach sits uneasily with Jesus' teaching to his disciples on how to pray actively for his kingdom, for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven for his rule and reign to come. 
And we pray that prayer, knowing, declaring that God is in control and it is his kingdom and not ours that we seek. Um, one of the joys and privileges of being a vicar or uh, being in a leadership position in a church is the seat that you have, the seat, the front row seat that you are given to watch go God's Holy Spirit at work in the lives of the people around you. Over the past two years, we've been on a journey as a church, seeking to discern God's call upon us as a resource church, as a discipling church. Uh, And we've been on a journey seeking to follow where God is leading. Now, as part of that process as a church, we have made ourselves accountable. We've been called to make ourselves accountable to those who have invested money and resource in us as we grow. And this has meant entering into an unfamiliar and rather uncomfortable world of setting targets, key performance indicators, lead measures, lag measures, blah measures, blah measures. I can tell you more about such things should you wish. And while we have been doing these things and making ourselves accountable, rightly so, God has been busy amongst us doing different things altogether. Over the past two years uh, or so, a number of people from this church have discerned a call uh, from God to service in various ministries in the church, be it as readers, authorised pastoral assistants, intercessors, those called to ordained ministry. And the number of people from this church exploring such ministries has been quite extraordinary, both in terms of our own history as a church and in overall terms within the diocese. Since 2018, uh, this church would have put forward more people uh, for these ministries as more than 100 other churches combined in this diocese. But that's not really something we can brag about. Nor is it something that we can say we have purposefully done. Because we haven't. We hadn't planned for it. We hadn't listed it as an aim or a target. But rather God has worked his purposes out in us. And through us. In a way that we cannot replicate or claim fully to understand. Our role as disciples is not to abandon the playing field, but to follow where God's Spirit leads and to join in. Our second parable this morning, the second seed parable, that of a mustard seed, is one which is uh, much more familiar, I'm sure, to many of you, both in its content and in its meaning. What is the kingdom of God like? asked Jesus. Or what shall we use to describe it? And in answering his own question, Jesus picks the most insignificant of seeds to highlight the contrast between the smallest of beginnings, the smallest glimpses of the kingdom of God in operation, through to that time when God's rule will benefit all creatures, people from all nations, and in its fullness, 
restore God's creation and planet. This second parable is a reminder not to despise small beginnings or to use the instruction from the prophet Zechariah to the nation of Israel, not to despise the day of small things, not to despise the action song that you're called to act out, not knowing the role that it has played in the life of a child over the previous five days. When we see small signs or examples of God's kingdom ruling amongst us, those instances or glimpses which inspire, we're reminded afresh each time of the glory of the coming of God's kingdom in its fullness. Or to use St. Paul's familiar words from 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully as also I am fully known. It's a reminder that the kingdom of God, inaugurated by Jesus' kingdom, by Jesus' ministry in Galilee, through that proclamation to repent and believe, may have seemed insignificant at the time, but it became a revolution that has changed and shaped human history. Uh, One commentator familiar uh, with the plants of the time in early Judea spoke of the type of mustard plant which Jesus refers to, saying that it was likely the black mustard plant variety, which was a lot less like the flowering shrub you might plant around the edge of your garden, but rather was an invasive weed, something you want to keep control of, and out of your lawn at all costs, because when it is planted, it runs amok. It gets out of hand. It takes over the ground which it infects. So with God's kingdom, a new reality that invades, overturns, and eventually overcomes the old one. A world of promise that creates hope and expectation, leads people to change their jobs to share it and leave behind their old ways to live into it. The kingdom of God is dangerous because you just don't know where it will take you or what you will do when it seizes hold. As the commentator Dawn Wilhelm recognises, it's about seeing that when the mustard seed is planted, the tree is already within it. Many of you uh, here will know stories, even as you look around those around you, examples of seed being sown, small beginnings that have grown into larger parts, into times when we have seen the kingdom of God in place. Uh, In the video, uh, if you stay at the end and see the video that Kate will play of the Holiday Club, you can see in there, in the small beginnings of this week, in those that came, in those 40 children who came, that there were those this week who gave their life to Jesus. Six, seven-year-olds. Six or seven-year-olds, eight or nine-year-olds, making a commitment for the first time in their life to follow Jesus. What may come of that life ahead? 
Some of you will know uh, Tony and Helen Harris, who worshipped here as part of the music group for many years. Uh, Tony and Helen uh, last month moved down to Cornwall. Uh, when they came back, they told me that their minister there knew of this place in Cornwall. And I said, how is that? And said, well, she used to work at Durham University. Uh, one week, uh, someone else who was here, uh, Chris Jameson Gates, invited her onto the Alpha course. And she came, not expecting much, but she went because her mate asked her. And she ended up in a group run by Philip May, who was here this morning. Philip, who celebrated, I think, his 92nd birthday a couple of weeks ago. And she was in Philip's group, and three weeks into the course, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. 20 years later, she's now running a church down in Cornwall, which Tony and Helen have moved to. This morning, we sung Happy Birthday to Wendy. To Wendy Rogers, and those of you who've uh, read Wendy's book, will know of the journey that she took to Borneo as a nurse, as a midwife, inspired by her faith, sharing through action, through word, the love of God in small ways. And that seed, that small seed planted, leading to an outbreak of the kingdom of God in that place. I think of Janet McHugh, uh, George is here, Kate is here, but Janet, I think not this morning, Paulie Tummy, I think. And Janet, who uh, is one of the most gifted natural evangelists I've ever met. Janet, who's led the Alpha Course here for years, and will tell a story of how a friend she knew was in trouble, and how she sat down with her one time, heard her out, and prayed with her, who told her about Jesus, and how that woman then went home and told her husband about Jesus. And how that couple are now living abroad as missionaries, proclaiming the word of Jesus to people who do not yet know that kingdom. And then Carol, Carol Winskill here. Those of you here before Christmas would have heard me speak of Jack's work, Jack and Carol's work. How after listening to a sermon here preached at the turn of the millennium about what people would do in this church to mark the millennium. Jack and Carol began two projects, one working with grandparents and one with the listening project at the cathedral. Projects that grew, like that seed. How they founded the Durham Christian Partnership, which now oversees the work of food banks, of credit unions, that blesses thousands of people in County Durham. People who find their shade in the branches of that tree, planted here with the seeds planted by Jack and Carol. We could go on, looking around this church, seeing faces of people I know who have worked out planting seed in the lives of those around them. The kingdom of God is near, says Jesus, as he inaugurates a revolution of hope in the purposes of God. Our two parables this morning are a reminder of that hope and a warning against underestimating the significance of the proclamation of the kingdom of God, however unimpressive it may first appear, however restricted the initial reaction to its proclamation or to living it out.
God's timing, God's purposes, God's kingdom will be built using those small seeds that come through our response to his love. What has begun in the earthly ministry of Jesus will, by the power of God, prove to be of ultimate significance. If in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, or even in our world, that power seems hidden or delayed, that does not mean its coming is any less certain. Its growth, my friends, will be spectacular. So, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.